Hey everyone, welcome back to the Clergy Suite. Today's topic I am so excited about. Uh, it's going to be about Jews and Christmas. Ah. But I, I can't do it alone. I have Rabbi Zoe Klein Miles with me. <laughs> <laughs> Where um, uh, it is the season, Zoe. Tis the season. Yes. Uh, in which everything turns red and green. Um, and we as Jews, wherever we're living, um, have probably had to have a few conversations, uh, not only with our family about what we do and don't do. Right. Letting your children sit on Santa's lap mm, at the mall yep. or yep. all the can, questions. Yep. Can they buy a, a Christmas sweater to, because all the kids at school have ugly Christmas sweaters. Right. Um, but more importantly, um, what does one do? This is the teaser question. What does one do or say when the checkout person says to you and have a Merry Christmas? Ah, yeah. So, so what what do you do? Well, but first, before we get there, because I, yeah. want, I want our listeners to already be thinking, what do I say? Mm. And am I saying the wrong thing? <laughs> Thank you for your purchase. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, Zoe, give us a quick window into how you grew up, because... At one point, a long time ago, you were a kid. That's true. Whose yeah. parents were, are it Jewish. It was a long time ago. It was a long, not <laughs> sort of long ago. Okay, so uh, wait, little what, me. Yeah, little Zoe. What was little, little Zoe in Zoe Connecticut doing? Little Zoe and my little brother, Zachary, Zach and Zoe, um, <laughs> Christmas morning. Uh, so my parents are Jewish and um, we celebrated Hanukkah, but I think the, create, the creative artist side of my father couldn't resist participating in some aspects of Christmas. Mm. Um, so we would wake up early, we'd be really excited, and there would be um, magical Santa footprints coming from the fireplace. Um, so I think he used flour oh. and made little footprints because he wanted us to feel like Santa visited us. And we had stockings. Mm. We didn't have a tree. And in the stockings were little things like uh, magazines. Remember those magazines? <laughs> Like had, Mad Magazine? Like, <laughs> just, you know. With the black um, and white people. <laughs> yeah, good, any kind of magazines, <laughs> word puzzles, yes. little things like that. Um, I, I did not continue that tradition with my own children. <laughs> we do not have magical Santa footprints or stockings. Um, and just question, should you find yourself someday in your parents' house again on Christmas Eve, waking up on Christmas morning, what are the odds your dad would take flower footprints again? <laughs> I don't I don't think he does it anymore. I don't, I don't think he would do it anymore. Um, no. and, and did you ever, I mean, this is really the the, the truth moment. Um, did you ever wonder about your Jewish identity because your parents inserted this cultural piece of Santa into your house? Well, w when I got married, my husband said, there's no way we're doing stocking. <laughs> know but at the time growing up no I really I think that's really that's the crux of this conversation mm -hmm. is really uh you know the confidence that you have in your Jewish identity if you're if you you know have a strong Jewish identity you can you know go to an ashram in India and you know meditate for a month and still come out and, and be Jewish mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um you're not threatened by by yeah. every sparkly thing. Yeah. Oh, but what so much I, but sparkle. I, I want to visit little Dara on Christmas morning. What was happening in <laughs> So little Dara grew up, let's just be clear for those who who can't remember this. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey. Yes, I hide it well. <laughs> but I fully from New Jersey and the land of malls. And in every good mall in New Jersey is a like cineplex of <laughs> 10 to 12 theaters. Uh, so all screening movies, as you know, on Christmas. So um, we were the uh, Chinese food and a movie Jews. And nice. we would say hello to everyone else. I grew up conservative. So 
as long as it wasn't on Shabbat <laughs> that Christmas fell, uh, we would be at the movies along with half of our congregation, uh, seeing something that hopefully we all could agree on, um, large buckets of popcorn. And um, I think that Christmas and Chinese food could either have been on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day. Uh, I think mm-hmm. we were like equal opportunity. Right. Um, and to be clear also, like <laughs> just to show all of the different complexities of conservative Jewish identity in the 80s, we had a kosher home with two sets of dishes. But when we had Chinese food and brought it in, we ate it on paper plates and it was most certainly <laughs> not kosher. And that whole ritual, again, of like we are aware that it's Christmas, we have Jewish identity, but we're doing this thing where we're bringing in like chicken lo mein right. and spare ribs. And you just, it, but it all made sense. Perhaps because um, everything in our life was on a Jewish rhythm and on a Jewish timer. And so I'll just give you one other quick story from my childhood, which is that uh, I was part of a singing group in my private school. So I went to private school from 7th through 12th grade, and it was this like small elite private school. And there was a 16-person, all-girl singing group, and everyone was more or less Christian or non-practicing Christian. Uh, and, and we did caroling as part of oh my the season. And um, everyone agreed we were all going to wear Christmassy outfits. And the thing that I wanted most of all was a like um, uh, piece of string that had like a bell on the end of it. <laughs> it's so cheap when I think about it now. Like it's a, a jingle bell. bell or... like a jingle bell, yeah. yeah. But it was on like a lovely piece of string and it was at the mall. And I-, I wanted it more than anything. And I remember asking my parents because everyone else was going to be wearing Christmas gear. Could I just have the bell? And they said no. Oh, interesting. And I thought that you don't understand. Like, I'm not going to fit in. It's part of a singing group. Isn't that enough justification? Like everyone else is doing it. I don't even know what the debate was behind the scenes, but the answer was no. And so I had to basically go to school and my friends brought in extra Christmas stuff. Interesting. And so then I would wear it and we sang and we caroled. Who doesn't love caroling? I'm picturing like a sprig of holly in your hair. Not, I mean, <laughs> it was a lot of hair, so <laughs> it's possible there are many things there. I, you you bring up, um, you know, uh, your school experience. I actually also went to a private school uh, for high school and it was a small Christian school. It was Episcopalian mm-hmm. and went to chapel every day for four years, every school day. And um, really immersed in uh, Christian thought. And, you know, I would sing while all my friends were, you know, throwing spitballs at each other and falling asleep at the chapel service. I was paying very close attention (laughs) and singing along, but humming, you know, certain parts. Right. And um, the same with grace before meals and everything. But I think in a way it introduced me to organized religion and made me really hungry to learn more about Judaism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is no magic formula or or equation that I think anyone trying to build a Jewish family in the 20th or 21st century, like the 22nd century is going to wrestle with this as well, I think. Um, but I do think some of what probably rooted both of us, not just that we, I didn't know I wanted to be a rabbi until the very mm-hmm. end of college. This wasn't like I grew up thinking this is my career. But I do think um, consistency and I think some amount of um, investment of time and of resources to say this is who we are as a Jewish family and this is what Jews do allows for then some of the infiltration of secular Christian culture, even if it's not religious, like your school was actually a practicing religious community. But even just the nature of um, 
I took the girls to the Century City Mall, and um, as if there aren't enough stores, now there are pop-up stores in the center for Santa's Village. And they're looking at the fake Mm -hmm. snow, and they see some guy dressed up in a red suit and a big white beard, and they go, who's that? And I realize, like, oh, gosh, you don't even know who Santa is. (laughs) So, you know, like, without anxiety, I'm like, that's Santa, and he goes with Christmas, and he's part of stories. And then, sure enough, they start seeing Santa, and they start seeing the red and green, and, you know, they're just curious. But it's not yet bringing up the asking for but I think again creating a Jewish identity that um, presents itself every day um, even if it's in small ways I think allows for a a certain non-anxious presence yeah I think that's absolutely right I think I've developed this theory you know serving at Isaiah that the stronger your Jewish identity is the less threatened you are not only less threatened the more um interested you are in other people's cultures Mm. you know you can you can learn you can appreciate uh people who are devout in other cultures because you know what it means to be devout you can appreciate people who spend you know all their time volunteering with their church community or their you know mosque community Mm -hmm. uh, because you know what that means and i think the opposite is true too the weaker your own identity is the more um, vulnerable you are mm-hmm. and the more everything appears as a threat. Uh, growing up, we also would go to friends' homes to help decorate their trees. And I never went home and thought about having my own tree. I enjoyed opening other families' heirlooms. And mm-hmm. this is in Connecticut. And, you know, they had the traditional, yeah. some people even had candles on their trees, Whoa. which you think so dangerous now. <laughs> but um I, but I think you're absolutely right. It's it's with a, your children have a curiosity mm-hmm. about the man in the red suit, but yeah. not necessarily. Oh, he has to be ours too. Mine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when I started this conversation a couple minutes ago, um, I sort of led with the teaser question, which is in this season, which really has been going on since Thanksgiving. Let's be honest. People have been <laughs> saying Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. <laughs> um, when you are um, paying for your item, Trader Joe's, Nordstrom's, uh, Tito's Tacos, I don't know, it's anywhere. Right. <laughs> like it really could be anywhere. And somebody says, here you go and Merry Christmas. What do you say in response? So I usually, and you're, whether it's just me or with the kids, either way, either way do you change it? <laughs> I, us, I, well, I usually just say same to you, you know, okay. thanks, thanks, same to you. I don't make a big, de- when my kids were littler, they might shout out something like, we're Jewish, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yep. But, I imagine but, that's familiar. But even now with the kids, older teenagers, um, you know, someone says Merry Christmas. I'll say same to you. And then we kind of have like a wink and a giggle as we're walking away. Yep. Um, but but we don't seek to embarrass anybody. Yes. Right. And that is a Jewish principle that we try not to shame or embarrass uh, anyone, Jews or non-Jews. Um, I think sometimes, even if I'm not with my kids, I think that I say thank you and then I might say happy holidays in Uh response that's that's a good response um and that may also be driven in from the 80s into the early 90s where I felt like there was a change in what was permissible in school so I remember we used to have a Christmas concert at school Mm. and then it changed to the festival (laughs) (laughs) and and it was like a deliberate choice from a school again like most private schools in New Jersey I think started probably from a Christian rootedness and so it had become more pluralistic um so that sense of can we say happy holidays and without making this a political podcast at all what are the pro and cons even in our own families and our own lives between allowing people to have their distinctiveness merry christmas is meaningful to that person as is happy hanukkah versus sanitizing it perhaps one could argue and just saying happy holidays like it's so generic right or you know 
thanks. <laughs> um, but I think it's a great learning opportunity, certainly for kids. Um, you can even bring it up to, at your kitchen table and say, you know, you brought up a really good question as we were leaving, leaving Trader Joe's. Should we have told them that we celebrate Hanukkah? It's a great conversation to have. Um, and, and invite kids to say, what are, what are some options? Without ruling anything out, you can mm-hmm. even make a list on paper. Um, what are some things that you can imagine saying the next time? And then maybe you cross out the inappropriate ones. Mm. You agree, like, that would be rude or that would be embarrassing um, or that doesn't feel right. Um, and then do you have an experiment the next time? Because it's going to happen for the next couple right. weeks. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is true. I once heard somebody suggest that if if you have a question about what's appropriate in one's home, in a Jewish home, uh, you should think about if it, that same thing would be appropriate in the temple lobby. Mm. So, you know, it, would you be comfortable seeing a tree or stockings or a wreath in the temple lobby? And if not, then, you know, a Jewish home is also uh, a small sanctuary as mm-hmm. well is mm-hmm. a sacred space. So that's an interesting do we agree with that? Is it, you know, how, how separate are the two spaces? Um, that's another thing to, to contemplate. You know, there's this tendency to also want to make Hanukkah big to compete with Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking about um, one of the most treasured moments I have from Hanukkah was when my son Rocky was, he, I don't know if he was four years old, and we were sitting and watching the last of the candles uh, gutter out. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a menorah that was also a music box, and it was playing Hatikva. Wow. And so it was playing it over and over again. <laughs> And it's just the two of us and it's dark and I could see, you know, the candle reflected in the window and he was on my lap. And when the final candle went out, um, we both started crying Mm -hmm. and holding each other and just saying how beautiful it was. And it's such a quiet spiritual moment as opposed to a big blazing, you know, tons of lights moment. Mm -hmm. But it's but it's equally beautiful. And sometimes we try to make it too big maybe we lose that that special moment yeah I mean this is part of the tension of um, living authentically in the culture and in the time in which we are um, where everything is really big and everything That's is true. bright and the more likes you get on social media the mm-hmm. more value you have and so it's hard to imagine allowing Hanukkah to become intimate and small again and quiet enough that you could actually hear the sizzle of the final candle Um, But perhaps even as a spiritual practice to think about the eight days that we are afforded because of the nature of this miracle, that even if one of those days was a practice of um, bringing the noise level down, I think that could be extraordinary. Um, Many people, and um, there are endless articles online about this as well, choose a different theme for every night, Mm -hmm. whether it's pajama night or a new book night. Handmade gift night. The tzedakah night. Tonight we're giving money away rather than uh, buying things. Board game night. Yep. But could there be, um, we don't have the right marketing uh, brains for this, but like the like final sizzle night Mm. where the whole goal is to create an evening that would allow enough time and space to light the candles early enough that they have early bedtimes (laughs) not the candles the kids right (laughs) uh, to be able to watch them all go down and not miss the moment um and then breathe it in and see what emerges really beautiful So friends, we are in the month of Hanukkah celebrations and obviously crazy Christmas colors and caroling. So I just want to give one final shout out uh, as we think about uh, upcoming events at Isaiah that on December 20th, True we have a this, Christmas event. We have, yes. we have a Christmas event, which is Jews and Christmas music with uh, Professor Peter Curtis. Right. 
um, because the core of apparently almost all Christmas songs uh, is a Jew sitting there at a table writing the lyrics. Yeah, so many of the great (laughs) Christmas songs are written by Jews. So we're going to talk about why uh, he's a jazz guitarist, so he's going to play some interesting versions for us, and, and maybe we'll sing along. I, if I that's think comfortable. Please ask him if it's gonna if they're gonna be some sing-alongs, because I do feel like the um, fourteen-year-old in me who went caroling <laughs> <laughs> might need uh, a reboot of that. Um, so that's December twentieth here at the Temple. Uh, services are at six fifteen, dinner at seven thirty, and we're gonna start the program at eight. And look for an RSVP online. Yes. And then if you want to relive Little Dara's childhood, Chinese. <laughs> in a movie uh december 27th i love that little dara's childhood childhood, um which is the friday night closest (laughs) to christmas uh we're going to be um praying together at 6 15 followed by chinese food and screening of mary poppins the original which we will sing along to as well in the social hall it is family friendly although if you want to bring pajamas for your kids just so that they can fall asleep in the car on the way home highly recommended and that's it so happy Hanukkah uh, and we look forward to hearing from you um, and most importantly we can't wait to see you at your home here at the intersection of tradition and innovation thanks everyone bye